Welcome to this week's episode of Getting on the Green. I want to start out by thanking all of my listeners who have been with us since the beginning uh, and those who have just recently joined us and maybe even this being their first podcast here in Getting on the Green. We have listeners all around the United States, which is awesome. But one thing I wanted to mention is we have many international listeners as well. We have people from Ireland, the Bahamas, Brazil, Germany, and as far away as Nigeria and Singapore. So that's so cool. I really, really appreciate it. Your feedback has been awesome. It's really helped me improve both as a professional and as a podcaster. So I just wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you because so far this has been such a great journey for me. Today's episode is a little bit different than what we've had. Um, we have Eric Compton on. His story is an incredible one. If you don't know about Eric, um, you're definitely going to learn a lot about him, uh, about what goes on within his mind and um, his experiences so far throughout his journey. Um, but go and go online, take a look at his bio. Um, you got a lot. He's got a lot that he's done. Um, very, very, very cool guy. Um, and I'm really excited to get this podcast started. So let's get right into it. All right, welcome, Eric. I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm really excited to find out a little bit more about you, um, kind of the mindset that you get in, um, both on the golf course and uh, throughout your life. Um, I think my listeners are really excited about hearing what you have to say. So let's get right into it. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Greg. So, so let's talk about the mindset for success. Um, you're in a career that is very, very intense. Um, there's always people gunning for you. So how do you get in the right mindset, um, basically to achieve success? Well, I mean, I think I, I learned, um, the right mindset at a very young age. Um, I was always in sports, very, very lucky to have parents that were fortunate to get me involved in, um, Corey League baseball, Pop Warner football, soccer. Um, they were very involved in my brother and I's life in all of the, uh, sporting events that we went to very encouraging with school. Um, I got, you know, uh, a big love for sports when I was around seven, eight years old. Um, my dad was, uh, the kind of guy that would bring me around when his friends were around to have a drink and I would take my shirt off and flex my muscles and, and, you know, he always put me up and built me up, made me um, feel good about myself and, um, you know, told everybody I was a great athlete. So I kind of bought into that. <clears throat> and then um, they were very good. My dad was an in the entertainment business. He was a very good singer. As a matter of fact, um, he had a, a, a great band and Merv Griffin bought one of his songs. So he was very successful wow. in his own right in, in music. And he saw um, that I that I had a gift for sports at a young age. Um, I was an ADH kind of uh, learning disability type kid, went to a special school. And, um, you know, they didn't put much pressure on me for my academics when I grew up. Uh, as I, my story is well documented with my, um, with my transplant and the health issues that I went through. So um, I think early on they were just, proud parents and knew I was a good athlete and wanted me to live. I don't think they even saw a long future of their child being alive for that long with considering what was up against me. And 
my dad um, treated me um, like an athlete, regardless of the health issues that were were coming into in my way. And I remember being at a tournament. Um, I was, I think, eleven years old, and I I missed a putt that was a few few inches from the hole, and my dad, you know, really lost it, and he was pretty tough on me, and and made it to the point that if I was going to be playing sports or he was going to be taking time off work, that I wasn't going to be, you know, um, you know, this spoiled little bratty kid and that we were going to take it serious. And, um, so the mindset needed to be, uh, that I did have a focus and that I did have a love and respect for the sport. Um, so I learned that at, at, at a very young age, the importance of, you know, hard work and, and belief and discipline and that there were rules and consequences. Um, so, you know, I had my parents to think for that. And obviously, uh, a mindset before a big tournament at my age, um, probably comes natural to me because I've been doing it for most of my life. And there's tournaments where I'm, I show up and I'm ready to play and there's tournaments where I'm not. And, um, you know, I mean, I can go into a little bit of that later on, but that's kind of the, the process of, of having a strong mindset when I was a kid. Wow. Um, so the support uh, from the beginning basically has been pivotal for your success. Um, so tell me a little bit about, let's transfer this over into the actual golf game. How does envisioning success in the actual golf game while you're sitting up, uh, setting up for a shot or a putt or something along those lines, how, how does that help or, you know, focus well, on? I mean, it's, every, it's everything. I mean, as people are listening, um, my story is well documented. I've had two heart transplants. And um, when I went in for my second transplant, um, I was kind of told, look, you, you got three months to live and your heart is blown out. Um, you need a new heart and that's your, your only chance of, of survival. Um, so, you know, it's, it's hard news. It's not, wasn't great bedside manners from the doctor, but he hit me right over the head with it. Um, so all during that time when I was waiting for a transplant, you know, I would envision myself and watch PGA Tour golf um, envisioning myself on uh, with, with my face on other players like Trevor Emmelman, Camilo Villegas, um, Nick Watney, other guys that were having success, and I would I would basically see myself on television. I kind of brainwashed myself to think that, and I think um, that mentality is what got me out of the hospital. It got me to heal fast. Obviously, I was very lucky to get a transplant and to a lot of things went my way. I've been, I've been extremely life lucky to have uh, donors that matched and, and being in the right place at the right time. Um, but a lot of it was, um, you know, tremendous self-belief. And, and during those times, I think my, my self-belief was, um, you know, even stronger than it is today because you're in your back is against the wall. So when I get into, into tournaments or I get myself in pressure situations, um, I have a, a great ability to recall on previous shots that I've hit in my career. Um, as a matter of fact, when I had that putt at the U.S. Open on the 72nd hole, uh, it was about nine feet and was breaking to the right. 
And I knew it was such a great moment that I brought my caddy in and I just told him, hey, take a look at this uh, from, back of the, from back of the hole. I want you to see the, the view that I'm seeing of the grandstands. Because I wanted to, I wanted to, one, I wanted to take it all in because I've lived my whole life to have a moment like that. And I think it took the pressure off of me because I was like, we've already made it here. This is, this is the moment. And um, so I just wanted to slow the process down. I've, I've seen a putt like that a thousand times and, and then I knocked it in. I've got chills uh, putting myself <laughs> in, in, in that situation. I mean, that, that is just so cool. Um, the recall that you said, uh, taking successes from the past and trying to place yourself in that same situation again is, is such a good thing to think about. Um, and, I, and I love that. Um, you see, um, with me, when I, when I think of envisioning, especially in the golf game, I think of Jason Day, how he stands behind the ball, his eyes are closed, and he's, he's making that picture in his eyes um, to basically force his brain to act upon what he is imagining. Um, so there, there's so many mind tricks, I guess you can play in order to attain that success. And it, it, it's, it's really cool to hear. Especially at that level. I mean, I can speak, you know, a lot for the, the, the pressure and the mindset of, of golf. Cause I'm a golfer. Um, I've been fortunate to hang out with a, a lot of other athletes. Um, I can't imagine what it's like to be in a pressure situation in the Super Bowl or, to try to hit, you know, get a base hit in the World Series, but as as of golf, it's you know I've walked in those in those footsteps for such a long time in my career. Um, you know, I'm not one of the best players in the world, but I played with a lot of the best players in the world, and I and I got you know close to the top fifty in the world ranking at one point, um, which was for me gave me a tremendous amount of respect from the other players, and, and it gave me a confidence because I felt like, hey, I'm, I'm one of the best players, top 100 players in the world, and I'm on my third heart. So it just, confidence breeds confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being at the Memorial early on in my career. I played with Tiger in a practice round. It was 2001, and this is when I think he was the best player in, um, in, it, in, in the height of his career. And the crowds were absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I, I was in the middle of the fairway, and I had to take a leak, so I walked out. <laughs> and when I came back in, I couldn't get in from the crowd, and everybody was kind of butting me, like, "Hey, get out of the way, kid!" Because he was the center of attention. I mean, he was the biggest rock star on the planet. And <clears throat> I mean, the crowds were just—it was incredible. And when we walked from, I think it was like the eleventh hole up to the twelfth hole, there was just crowds of people trying to interfere with what we were doing, just walking. And he was having a conversation, talking to me like as if there was nobody there, like in a low voice. And I was like trying to listen to what he's saying. He just kind of leaned back. It almost was a tunnel because of the hands that were hanging over. And so for him, that was normal. I mean, it was like, I I can't, I mean, he thrived on that. Some players just completely thrive on that. And I see um, that from all the great golfers. Like it's like an ability to slow down, slow down time and, and to take almost the energy from the crowd or even the energy from another player because it's draining. I mean, after a major championship or even at a practice round for Tiger going around, that's very draining, but he had an ability to take the energy from everybody and use it to his advantage. And I think now with COVID, with the lack of crowds, some guys really struggle with that. 
And I think the younger generation are gaining strength because they're playing at a high level, winning a lot of money, and they're not really having those crowds in those situations. Yeah, yeah, they have putts for a million dollars, but it's not a putt for a million dollars in a major, you know, with 30,000 people in the stands, you know, <laughs> it's, it's different. So, um, it's just, just, it's a very cool, uh, thing that I've been able to be alive and play in an era of the tiger era because of the, of the, of the crowds and the, in the, in the vision and being able to be in that environment, um, has really, I've learned a lot and it helped me as I got, towards the peak of my career to, to play with guys like that early in, early on in my career. So tell me a little bit, you, you spoke about Tiger and, you know, how, you know, if, if you were starstruck or whatever it may be, if, you know, playing with somebody like that who draws such a crowd, talk to me about the Masters. This is something that I would say 100% of golfers in the world would love to be a part of and I'm sure a percent of a percent ever get the chance to do and you've gotten the chance to do this what what right. were you thinking driving up seeing those flowers knowing that you're gonna play in it like it it, it baffles me even to have that concept you know as as a possibility let let alone live it so I, I know my listeners want to know what you thought you know what you're thinking getting on the practice green let alone the first tee uh, walking up the course and everything. I mean, obviously, yeah, it's a, every tour player's dream to play the Masters. Uh, we got a chance to play it during college because I went to the University of Georgia, not during the Masters, but to play the course, and and that was a thrill in itself. Um, it doesn't do justice TV, you know, how much the um, elevation changes from tee box to green. I mean, in college, I remember I played um, – I had 104 fever and I was not going to miss it. <laughs> and walking up 18 was, was really, really, really tough. Uh, we played it in the winter and it was a lot longer than, than, um, than when we played it during the masters and they're going to experience a lot longer in different conditions, I think, in, in here coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, driving in was just an amazing thing. Um, a lot, a lot of what I had spe- expected from TV, um, you know, just from the practice rounds, I went around, I went around it the same way I did trying to go into the U S open and I did my own thing, hit, played nine holes. Uh, I think I played with Furyk and, and maybe Ernie in the practice round, um, Stenson maybe. So, you know, those were good friends of mine to get a feel for the, for the golf course. I, I made the cut. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I, I didn't contend that week. I think I finished, you know, in, in 40th or something like that. So, um, it was a very strange week for me because I had some rather weird news about my health condition um, going into the, the Masters, and so having had come off of such a great year at the U.S., you know, the, a great month at the U.S. Open, and then later on going into the U.S. Uh, to the Masters, um, I had a lot of things in my mind, and I almost thought it was the end of my career, to be honest. So it was like almost, I was thinking it was a farewell golf tournament for me. Um, and I was put on some experimental medications and things for my transplant. And it kind of reversed my situation. And, and, you know, that was in 2015 and now we're in 2020 and I'm doing great. So my life has always been a little bit, uh, it's been hard with, as far as the, the, the mental aspect going into a tournament, not being able to focus 100% on the golf that week. But the Masters is just... 
I mean, it's just it's just gorgeous, and, and it's a it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place. But as a competitor, you know, I, I take away um, on events on how I perform, and you know, I again I made the cut. The par three golf tournament was great. I played with Jason Day, who's a good friend of mine, and my daughter and his kid was playing. Um, so that was a great memory that we have, and you know, hopefully, I can go back to that tournament. I played in several U.S. Opens and. And, and British Open, so hopefully, you know, one day I can get back to the Masters. Obviously, I'm getting a little older, so it's harder. But um, you know, I, I, you never know. How do you deal with? Um, you said you have a daughter, and you know, I, I I know her a little bit. I've seen her a couple times when uh, you used to practice at the club I was at. Um, how do you deal with a, a career like this that makes you travel so much? You're away from family. You know, and you and plus the health issues, plus dealing with the mental aspect of golf. How do you deal with that and um, kind of balance all of that, especially mentally? Yeah, I mean, I think just like anybody who has a has a regular job that travels a lot, I try to get rest when I'm home, and I try to spend as much time as I can with with uh, with Petra. And now I'm uh, living with my girlfriend, and she has her daughter, and so. I'm like a normal guy. I mean, I, I, um, probably during the, the, this time from October to January, I don't, I don't practice as hard and I try to do other things like fish occupy, uh, with teaching a little bit, um, to, um, to get myself out and about, but, um, you know, Petra's now on the golf team at Carrollton. So I try to get myself a little bit involved with that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a normal guy. I think that's just part of the trade of any professional athlete. It, there is a lot of time away from your family, but then when you do have time, you have a lot of quality time. And um, it does get challenging as being a professional golfer. You, I've had some great years, and I've had some, some years that have been not so great where, you know, you have to make uh, some adjustments with, with your financial stuff. And that's just kind of the nature of, of, of the acceptance of being a professional golfer. Um, it's very difficult and it's, it's, it's very rewarding, but you have to understand that being a professional golfer, you're going to lose a hell of a lot more than you're going to win. And, um, and winning is defined many different ways as a, as a golfer. So, um, it's, you got to have a tremendous amount of patience and, and acceptance and, and a short term memory because you can't you can't live and dwell um, and and just be gloomy when you play bad and and know that good golf is right around the corner. It's just uh, it's it's sort of being a professional. I mean, hitting great shots and all that is one thing, but to be a, a true professional in, in golf, it's it's everything that goes around with it, traveling and and. Um, spending money and living in hotels and eating out and working out and getting rest and managing your time with, with everybody. It's, it's the whole package. You, you mentioned, uh, winning and being defined different ways and success being defined different ways. I've spoken about success. Um, but I'd love to hear what kind of your definition of success is. Um, let's say in life and as well as in golf, what, what does success mean to you? Well, I, I think most people want to be happy. And if you're happy, I think that's a successful life. 
Um, especially in, in, in today's world right now, there's a lot of people that um, are struggling and they're depressed. And there's also people that are very successful that are depressed. And um, I think you have to, to be um, uh, a well-rounded person um, to, to learn how to um, accept things. Uh, I, I was sometimes early on in my career with my health situation, I wanted to be somebody that I was never going to be. And that's, I struggled with that a little bit, like uh, wanting to be the, the most fit and the best athlete and realizing that my challenge that in the challenges that I have are different than the challenges against Tiger or Phil or at Jason Day or anybody else that I'm competing against. And I have to learn to be happy for what I have and what I can do with my life. Um, so for me, um, as I've gotten older, I've become happier <laughs> because you can reflect and realize, you know, I've, I've, I've come a long way and I've been able to do some great things. And I have less money now than I did when I was in my mid thirties, but I'm happier. Um, so I feel like being happy is a huge part of my uh, is a feeling of success. Um, you know, you can't let social media or other people dictate how, what they, you know, their, their success or what, or what they feel your success should be, you know? Um, I wanted to have a very well-rounded life. And for most of my life, I've lived in upper middle class. But I think, I, I think personally, I struggled when I had a, a lot of success because I didn't have any time for myself. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to be winning and winning and winning and winning. And it's, it was never enough, you know, you finish, you finished a uh, top 25 in a tournament and you're like, you know, I could have done this, I could have done that. And it's like, you keep going, you drive yourself crazy with that. Um, you know, now sometimes it's uh, at my age is, you know, you want to get up and enjoy going fishing or going to the beach and doing things. And, and I've earned that right. Um, so you just gotta, you gotta take all the little moments in. And, um, that's something that I always kind of spoke to my creator about. Like I was, you know, I just want to be happy. Right. And <clears throat> is, is success going to make me more happy? I don't know. And that's, those are all questions everybody has to ask themselves. It's a great way of defining it. Um, I know that one of the things that always blew my mind, um, especially when I would play with my dad and he's, you know, a little bit easily frustrated on the golf course. He, you know, he's very successful in everything he does. And he says that golf is by far the worst thing he does. Um, so he kind of drives himself nuts when he plays. But I, one of the things that I tell him all the time is Jack Nicholas, arguably the best ever, says that never once in a tournament has he hit a perfect shot. So for, you know, somebody who doesn't play very often, like my dad, to expect a perfect shot is somewhat irrational. Um, even for me who plays a lot, let alone for you who plays, you know, at a much higher level than me. Um, and then you talk about Jack, who's one of the best ever, you know, they're not even being able to hit a single perfect shot, you know, and right. still having the level of success that we define success as and obviously winning a ton of tournaments like he has in majors. 
Um, so it's, it's interesting to hear um, different people's levels of how they define success uh, because, you know, it, it, like you said, everyone needs to kind of look internally and define that for themselves. So it's, it's, it's great to hear your yeah. definition those, of that. Guys, you know, those that you talk about the, the uh, Jack Nicholas, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, or, you know, uh, Babe Ruth or whoever, the, the, those, those guys are just very unique guys. They're one of a kind, you know, they, um, for whatever reason, excelled so much more than everybody in their craft. And there is a reason for it. You know, I think it's a combination of, I mean, I got, I was very lucky to spend a full day with Jack Nicholas and be around him a lot. And that was one of the questions that I had asked him. I was, well, I asked him two questions. I said, are you a better athlete than everybody? And why doesn't everybody emulate your putting? <laughs> and, um, he he wouldn't answer that question because one I think because he's a very humble guy he mm-hmm. didn't want to act like he was a better athlete than everybody but I think he had an ability to accept who he was um, he had a tremendous amount of hand and eye coordination and his brain to be able to go about his business and not let the pressure affect him because we all uh, the pressure is 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 very difficult when you're playing at a high level we all choke to a certain extent. Um, but he was just, he's just one of those special guys that rises to the occasion and, um, you know, Jordan and and Tiger, those, they're just, they're just, you know, freaks. So the average golfer, when they go out, they get very frustrated and, and they expect to go out and, you know, break 90 or break 95 or whatever their goal is. And then if they don't get to that then they kind of lose patience and and then the, the rest of the day is ruined. Whereas, um, you know, I think most people trying to play golf and enjoy it should seek a local golf professional, one, learn how to play the proper way. And then instead of, you know, instead of spending so much money on golf clubs, and <laughs> I think, um, they'll enjoy the game more. And you have to let go. You have to, so many people are trying to play a certain way. They, they're trying to play. And I get that but you have to practice somewhat the proper way and technique to hit a golf ball so that when you get out, you can start enjoying the game, you know? Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, (laughs) it it would always blow my mind, you know, those people that come to the club and once again, they're getting a brand new set of clubs. They've never taken a lesson, but there's another thousand or 2000 on a brand new set of clubs for the 35 handicap. But whatever makes them happy and whatever they want to do with their money, Okay, yeah. but it's a lot easier to take, you know, one, two, three lessons, get some solid foundation, and then go from there and enjoy the game a little bit more. Um, so, so you were you were talking about how you spent a day with with Jack and how you've played with Tiger uh, Day, uh, some some big time names, and you're friends with some other athletes. Can you talk to, and and this might not be relevant to any of them, but can you tell me who some of your uh, biggest influences have been? Yeah. Um, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Alonzo Morning, uh, he was just calling you right now. We, we play quite a bit of golf here, um, and he's another transplant recipient. Uh, he's you know a larger than life character and just somebody who I look up to that um, is has been disciplined and and I love the way that he uh, his belief 
uh, never give up. And he, um, he's such a competitive guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, even, even when I talk sometimes about basketball with him, it's just the way that he goes about it. It's like, yeah, this is what's going to happen. And that's, and that's it. Um, and he doesn't get frustrated. He's very patient with his craft and everything that he does. Very patient guy. So yeah. And then, uh, and then also his physical ability, uh, or, or his, his, his body with what he's had to deal with as well. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't quite been, uh, um, as many transplants as I have. And, and it's quite, it's a little bit different with heart and kidney, but I mean, the guy is just, a, he's, he's a, he's a phenomenal uh, specimen of an athlete considering what he's gone through. Mm-hmm. And he, he just, uh, has a, I, I've learned a lot from him about eating and, um, and how to take care of your body. So those are guys I look up to, uh, you know, Ray Allen, uh, I, I play a lot of golf with him and, mm-hmm. and he's very, um, strict on his, on his diet and, and the way that he goes about his business. And you, you get, uh, you get a lot from different guys, just how they go about it. Not necessarily everybody eats great or whatever, but those are two examples of guys that take great care of themselves, work hard and, and love to compete. Um, and, um, you know, those are two local guys that have been, very involved in, in my foundation and, and involved in the, the local community. And then as far as golfers, you know, Ernie Ellis and, and uh, my dog's barking back here. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Chi-Chi Rodriguez, uh, like I said, Jack Nicholas. A lot of guys um, have been very helpful with me. I've been able to pick up the phone and call them at any time um, or hop to tournaments with them. And, and they've been, you know, gracious to the young guys. That's that's really funny uh, that I mean that you mentioned Alonzo Mourning uh, and his competitiveness. I mean, I remember watching him when he was, you know, on the heat, just making blocks uh, back in the day. Um, been going to heat games my entire life. Uh, my parents were season ticket holders since the beginning, um, and you know he's he was you know as a as a Miami born and raised, he's one of those guys. You know, you yeah. you love him as somebody who loves sports, and you grow up in Miami. You love Alonzo Mourning. Um, so I, I, I've actually had the opportunity to play with him one time at Biltmore uh, when I was working there. And I remember on the first tee box, uh, we all hit our tee shots. And, you know, me and my buddy, who's also a good golfer, we hit it past him. And he's like, man, like, I'm, I'm like seven feet tall and you guys are out driving me. Like, how is this possible? And I can you can tell just how competitive he is. It's it's really funny. And, you know, granted, no chance I can, you know, dunk on him or do anything in the lines of right. like the basketball aspect. You know, so when you step into kind of my sport, you know, I should do better. But at the same time, his mentality is always, I want to be the best. I want to compete and I expect to compete. And so that's, it's funny that you mentioned uh, him and his uh, competitive drive because I've. Yeah. He's a, he's a normal guy. And I like to be around athletes that um, understand family and understand the community uh, Jim Furyk is another example of a guy who's just uh, super family oriented. Back to the conversation we had earlier, he, he really knows how to how to be a true professional in every aspect of life. So I look up to a guy like him, and um, he's off to the senior tour now, and he's no surprise winning right away. But um, you know, he's just a real professional and and, uh, and a great a great human being. So that's another guy I look up to. That's great. You mentioned your foundation. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? What What's that all about? Yeah, I mean, foundation has been uh, – it's the Eric Condon Foundation. 
we raise money for transplant research and uh, we also help for um, procedures for certain people that you know that need help um, so you know most of the I was involved in the transplant foundation with my with my mom since the early 90s and um, we did a lot of uh, awareness for transplant uh, for organ donation and I was also the spokesperson for donate life so that's been something that just kind of comes natural to me and and um, the last couple of years I had I've had golf tournaments and we've had um, different events to raise money for transplant research but um, as the the uh, WGC was sort of canceled at Doral we've kind of held off on our golf tournament I've done some more events uh, around the United States teaming up with other um, foundations with similar mission statements and um, it's been a little bit more challenging now that I've been focusing hard on trying to get my card back and and like everything you know everybody loves a winner so it's it's easier to raise money when you're on the PGA Tour and easy to be more involved with charitable stuff and have people involved so working really hard to get back because it's a win-win when I play well I'm on TV and I'm able to help and be involved uh, visit more hospitals and team up with people that can can make a difference. That's awesome. That's so it's so nice to hear of people genuinely having an interest in giving back um, and and caring versus you know, I'm sure some people are out there doing it for the FaceTime and this and that, but I mean you genuinely uh, do it because you care. And I don't know if you can see, but above me, right behind me, that's a, a, a flag a, you, of one of your uh, tournaments that you had at, at a club I was at. Um, you, Zach Johnson, Jim Furyk, Kelly Murray, yeah. um, I am Camilo. sure. And Camilo, Camilo, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, I have that hung up and framed. I, I look at that every day. Um, so, you know, that that's hanging in my, in my uh, house. And um, so it, it's, it's fun that, that you're able to do that. And you were, you, you had people out to watch those types of tournaments. So that's, that's a, a very different and cool way of being able to raise money, um, for a great cause. Uh, so we are getting somewhat towards the end of the, t- of our time. I don't want to hold you too long. I know you've got, uh, you know, things to do. Uh, I have right. one last question for you. Um, because not everybody is an, an amazing golfer like you are. Um, what is one thing that you would tell the standard golfer to help them in their game? Well, I, I said earlier to, to work with your, you know, with a local professional or somebody that can help you in mentor you, give you an idea. Um, I think to, to be a student of the game and learn the history and then, you know, go out and, uh, and, and work on, you know, most of the, most of the people that I work with, or when I play in pro-ams, people have, you know, the dreaded over the top move. So <laughs> learn how to hook a golf ball. And if you're a beginner and then, and then you can straighten out your path from there. Um, I, it's hard and it takes, it takes a little bit of time, but if you put a little bit of time into this game, the reward is, is great. And if you can hit one great shot, um, it brings you back, you know, lower expectations and um, work on a few things that are going to get you to to have the right movement for the ball. And then and then, work, like I said, work with somebody so you can have an idea of what you're doing and be realistic about your expectations. And, and then for people who are um, who are who've been playing for a long time um, and they don't want to change their game, 
you have to uh, eliminate one side of the course and and know your ability instead of going out there and you know if you think you're going to hit a, a seven or hundred eighty five yards you might do it once but you know know your know your numbers and and most amateurs that I play with you know way greatly under club themselves <laughs> so <laughs> um, you know use the club and, and and even if even if you have to hit a driver on a par three to get it hit it you know there's no pictures on the scorecard so whatever it takes uh the the learn how to hit a hook i would teach that all the time i've never heard anybody else say that i love that you said that i have if for all my friends that are listening i have told you this now you've heard it from somebody else learn how to hook the ball and then bring it back to center that's the best advice i think I can't hook the golf ball and, you know, and why am I hooking the golf ball or why can't I hook the golf ball and, my, and the divots are 95 degrees left of the target. So, you know, learn how to have a, you know, a somewhat of a neutral path and learn how to, how to draw a golf ball uh, for a beginner because then it's going to make the golf a lot easier. That's just a way that I was kind of taught and then you can straighten out the path from there. That's awesome. Uh, Eric, I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking to me and my listeners. I mean, this is has been awesome. I, I can't stress it enough. I, I really appreciate it. Um, so thank you very much. Appreciate it, man. All right. Have, have a good, good night. one. Be safe. You too. Bye. Well, there you have it. Uh, clearly, Eric had a lot of information to tell us. Um, what goes on for an experienced golfer, somebody in those big moments, but but take what Eric said and apply it to yourself, your own experiences, your own deals, your own um, even outings in golf, even if it's just a Saturday round with your buddies. Um, take what he said and try and apply it to yourself because it's relevant. Um, no matter No matter who you are or what you're dealing with, the mindset you get in for success is across the board. Um, so if you want to be the champion, you have to think like the champion. And Eric has certainly portrayed that and lived it. Um, the the moments that he spoke about in the U.S. Open, I can't even imagine the amount of pressure that he had um, playing with the top players in the world, being one of the top players in the world. Uh, such a such a cool thing, and it was so great that he was able to come on the show and talk to us about that. Next week, we have somebody who is going to talk to you about improving your business as a whole, about complacency, about who your team is, and how you can be as efficient as possible. So I really look forward to that, and we will see you next time on The Green.